0: Uh, The Bible readings from 2 Corinthians, uh, chapter 4, starting at verse 7, all the way through to chapter 5 to verse 10. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. Because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose, and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad." Please join me in prayer.
1: Gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, the Bible. Lord, we thank you that it is true. We thank you that by your Holy Spirit, it's alive and it's active and it's working in our lives as we read it. And Lord, we pray for Steve and for us now that as he preaches to us, that you'll give us all clarity of mind and open hearts, ready to be transformed by your word preached to us by Steve, that we might be more like your son, the Lord Jesus, That we might have his heart for the lost, we might have his heart and love for the saints, that, Lord, you'll use, us, use this time now to transform us to be willing to go forth uh, into your world and preach the gospel as you would have us do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah, She went on to win, uh, not win, she became a runner-up of Britain's Got Talent, didn't she? Uh, Susan also began a new thing in the music show genre. Do a rather awkward interview, set our expectations ridiculously low, and then have the contestant come on stage and knock it out of the park. The producers deliberately put together an intro package that hid uh, her talent. Hid Susan's talent. Our Bible passage for this morning begins with the words, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. Uh, In Paul's day, a jar of clay was equivalent equivalent to a plastic shopping bag. Uh, They were everywhere. Uh, They were for everyday mundane use. Uh, A jar of clay was the last place you'd go looking for a treasure. Now, before we go any further, what, what is this treasure mentioned in verse 7? We don't have to go any further back than verse 6. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, I've, I've done you a disservice Uh, by skipping over chapter 1, verse 12, all the way uh, through chapter 4, verse 6. But I know you've all done the Greek work last night and you've been working through it. Uh, So just a little reminder, in chapter 3, uh, it was that chapter about the surpassing glory of new covenant ministry in comparison to old covenant ministry. And the heart of the surpassing glory of new covenant ministry is captured for us, is beautifully summarised for us in chapter 4, verse 6. New covenant ministry is shining the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So the treasure we are talking about is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what does God do through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus? He's shining the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We're talking about the greatest treasure. We're ready to keep looking through the verses now. Uh, have your Bible open, chapter 4, verse 7. but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed." I think part of the reason Paul uh, had to talk about himself as a jar of clay is because the context of 2 Corinthians is the conflict he was facing. Those super apostles that had crept into the Corinthian church and led astray uh, the brothers and sisters that Paul had led to Christ. And so he begins in verse 6, yeah, if you're looking for impressiveness, if you're looking for greatness, don't look at me. Just a jar of clay. Uh, The power is in God and then he goes on to remind him yeah my ministry's been afflicted at every turn perplexed but not driven to despair persecuted struck down uh, some of you know the story of admiral james stockdale uh, stockdale was a united states navy admiral and one of the most decorated officers in the history of us uh, navy on september 9 1965 his Skyhawk was shot shot down over North Vietnam uh, under enemy fire and uh, Stockdale was immediately captured and beaten and and put in as a a prisoner of war. And for the next seven years, he was kept in what became known as uh, the Hilton, Hanoi Hilton. Uh, Because he was such a decorated naval officer, he was also picked out for great torture. Uh, There's one story where he knew he was about to be paraded around town uh, for propaganda, and so he beat himself so his face couldn't be recognised. This is who we're talking about. The reason some of us have heard about him is because in uh, his business book, Good to Great, Jim Collins interviewed Stockdale. And this is one of the things that Stockdale said for that interview. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. Now, those are wise words, uh, well worth applying to our ministry and our leadership. We need to face the brutal facts in our churches. However, we also know that the faith Stockdale had that he would prevail in the end was not a guaranteed faith. He could have been killed in that first being captured and we never would have heard of him. But there is a faith in which we will prevail in the end that has a guarantee. The Apostle Paul was surrounded by brutal facts, afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, knocked down and yet he got up again. What was his faith? Where was it grounded? Let's keep reading. Verse 10. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us but life in you. I find these verses brutally confronting to our culture. Uh, Most of us are not only living in comfort, but have only ever known comfort. I've never had to consider enlisting for war. Uh, I've been raised in middle-class wealth and educated through that system. And with this comfort comes a sense of entitlement. Uh, I deserve to be surrounded by these creaturely comforts. And here's where I find that entitlement culture creeping into my own Christian life. See if you can relate. I assume that if I do my devotions, if I love my wife and my kids well, if I lead my church well, it's going to go well for me. I'll be surrounded by comfort. Surely God will bring me that. I have this stupid bias towards meritocracy. It's not the gospel, is it? It's not the gospel. Sitting at the very centre of our faith is a crucified saviour. Sitting at the very centre of our faith is a king who said, if you want to follow me, take up your cross. Sitting at the centre of our faith is a king who said, if you want to find your life, then you must first lose it. The Apostle Paul got it. And so he just casually writes about carrying in his body the death of Jesus Christ. Casually, because that's normal Christianity. Christian living is carrying in the body the death of Jesus. But note, this was not doom and gloom for Paul. Because of the death of Jesus, we get the life of Jesus and... Isn't this an exciting part of what God's called us to do? We get to bring the life of Jesus to those around us. Have a look at verse 12 again. So, death is at work in us. Oh, but life in you. Paul didn't mind the hardships of being a Christian because he found great joy in seeing others come to faith in Christ. Christ. Uh, As we make the sacrifices, as we take the risks in church planting, we're going to get to see people become Christians. Uh, We're going to get to see Christians make choices to stay Christian, to keep following Christ. They get to see treasure in our jar of clay. And when people become a Christian, or, or when a Christian makes a choice to keep following Jesus, even though it's hard. I, I heard a story at dinner last night. It was just warms our hearts. Uh, someone who had walked away from an early church plant, and, you know, that, that's significant. Like, one person walking away can be 20%. <laughs> and then a few months later comes back in repentance and saying, you were right. I need to stop sleeping with my boyfriend. Will you help? Life. Life. Exciting. By nature, we prefer to be self-centred, self-protective. We want our jar of clay to be surrounded by comfort. If we say our prayers, if we be a good Christian, if we be a good leader, it's going to go okay. But Jesus calls us to follow him, to take up our cross, to deny self. Jesus' promise is not comfort. But it is life. So, the question I've got is how did Paul keep going? How did he keep going? How, how do we push into the scary territory of taking up our cross? The next section uh, gives us an answer. Have a look at chapter, th- uh, chapter 4 verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, and then in quotes, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak. Faith is how Paul kept going. And he quotes Psalm 116 verse 10. Uh, The psalmist was writing at a time where he was surrounded by enemies and convinced that death was just around the corner for him. And the psalmist writes, and yet I choose faith. The spirit of faith. I choose to trust God. Now we're still left with the question, okay, what is this faith that Paul uh, has? Verse 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Brothers and sisters, pause for a moment and just Ask yourself, do do I believe in the resurrection? Dead and then alive. Did that really happen? You're allowed to answer that one. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Well then, if we have put our faith in the resurrection... We know that we are going to be resurrected as well. And we are going to be resurrected into the presence of Jesus. There is no greater glory. That is going to happen. And so where is our faith? It's just not going to work if it's in our devotions, and in our godliness, and in our leadership, our faith in God who raises the dead. Our faith is in the resurrection. I better keep reading. We're only up to verse 14. Verse 15. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. It's always about God. It's not about us. So we... We know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, God's got us sorted. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we're at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. We would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Uh, Paul could have spent his time whining and defeated. Uh, But he didn't. Uh, He saw something eternal, not just earthly. Uh, What do you see? Do you see the resurrection of Jesus in the past and your resurrection that is guaranteed in the future into the presence of God? Or or do you only see the affliction and the groaning and persecution? Uh, What do you see when you pray? A sovereign God who has it covered, who's never taken by surprise and is your father. And so your prayers are full of hope. Or is it just the pain and the affliction and our surrounding? And so our prayers are nothing more than whining to God. Paul was afflicted. He was perplexed. He was persecuted. He was struck down. And yet he could say, I have not lost heart. Down in verse 6 of chapter 5, I'm of good courage. Verse 7 again, I'm of good courage. He could have spent his time whining and defeated, but he didn't lose heart. He was of good courage. And that's not because he was a super courageous dude. (laughs) It's not because he could stare death in the face and laugh. (laughs) Ha, ha, remember how this passage opened we have this treasure in a jar of clay he knew he was nothing more than an ordinary mundane plastic shopping bag paul's courage flowed out of his faith in jesus and jesus's gospel paul had 2020 faith vision he didn't only see his physical surroundings Paul could also see the eternal spiritual reality. Paul walked by faith, not by sight. Paul would get knocked down, but get up again. Someone, you can work on a jingle for that one. Because he knew the treasure he possessed. He knew that he had a glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul knew that the power of God, that same power that said, "Let there be light," and there was," is the power that is at work in the preaching of the gospel, and God is shining into people's lives so that they can see <laughs> so that they can see the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Therefore, countless beatings were light momentary affliction. Uh, we have to do something that Paul didn't have to do in his writings. We have to put the word radical in front of Christian. But what we call radical is what the scriptures just call Christian. Uh, In two Maccabees, I thought I'd read from there just to get you questioning about my reformed evangelical (laughs) heritage, Uh, we're told of a Jewish mother and her seven children. They were brutally tortured and killed, all because of their faith in God. King Antiochus forced Jews to break God's law with this particular family. He was ordering them to eat pork and they refused. And I'm going to pick up the history after six of the sons were tortured and killed in a way that makes ISIS look like a teddy bear's picnic. Thought I wouldn't read all that stuff out for you. Only the youngest son is left. And listen in carefully and see if you can work out where this family put their faith. Antiochus tried to persuade the boy's mother to talk him into saving his life and after much persuasion, she agreed to do so. Leaning over her son, she fooled the cruel triant by saying in her native language, my son, have pity on me. Remember that I carried you in my womb for nine months and nursed you for three years. I have taken care of you and looked after all your needs up to the present day. So I urge you, my child, to look at the sky and the earth, consider everything you see there and realize that God made it all from nothing, just as he made the human race. Don't be afraid of this butcher. Give up your life willingly and prove yourself worthy of your brothers so that by God's mercy I may receive you back with them at the resurrection. You ready for the happy ending? Antiochus had the boy tortured even more cruelly than his brothers and so the boy died. Last of all, the mother was put to death. Radical? Maybe. But it's the normal radical of people who put their faith in the resurrection. Who put on 2020 spiritual glasses and walk by faith? It's the normal radical we see over and over again throughout Christian history. And it's the normal radical God calls you and me to live in our safe, comfortable, affluent Aussie culture. Every day we have opportunities to set our gaze on the resurrection and walk by faith, not by sight. Every day we're making choices to either walk by faith or walk by sight. And so I, let me ask us, how can we walk by faith if we're not spending time with our Lord in word and prayer? I sense a reluctance to hold each other accountable on our devotional life, on our devos. Uh, You can shoot me down for this one later. I've got nothing but just my own thoughts on this one. But I wonder whether someone in our reformed evangelical heritage had a rant about the dangers of the Puritans, and so we're all scared to be puritanical. I reckon being a good church planter and a good church planter's wife begins in our devotional life. Now, Here's a quote from Tim Keller. He's talking about preachers. Let's apply it to us as well as church planters and families. I just know that trying to be a preacher without a terrific prayer life will almost certainly move you towards hypocrisy, duplicity and hardness of heart quicker than any other role in life. And just so we're not just go all Spiro on this and just think it's all just about prayer only, let me read another quote from George Mueller who was reflecting on how his prayer life was just stagnating. He was getting up early in the morning to pray, pray, pray for hours on end and couldn't. And this is what he had to reflect on why he couldn't and what he needed to do. I saw that the most important thing I had to do was to give myself to the reading of the Word of God and to meditation on it. What is food of the inner man? Not prayer but the word of God and not the simple reading of the word of God so that it only passes through our minds just as water runs through a pipe but considering what we read, pondering over it and applying it to our hearts. Brothers and sisters, we walk by faith, not by sight. Relying on devos that we did six months ago is like looking at a map of our town And closing our eyes and going for a drive. We walk by faith, gazing on Jesus through his word in the power of his spirit. And So I'll finish with just one practical reason why it's important to reflect on our devotional lives. And it's the reason that sits behind the writing of 2 Corinthians. Conflict. We will get knocked down. But for the glory of God and for the love of our people, we must get up again. Wives, you are going to watch your husband get wrongly maligned. Husbands, preachers, church planners, we are going to take hits. It is only our time with our glorious, sovereign, merciful, patient God that will prevent us from the twin dangers of either retreating or becoming a hard-hearted so-and-so. We are jars of clay. And so sometimes we will need to repent of the conflict we have caused Uh, We are jars of clay. And so our people will take us for granted. Rejoice in that. Let Let them see the power of the gospel of God. We are jars of clay. And so we must get over ourselves. But we carry this treasure. The light of the glory of the knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the hope and life that keeps battle-weary church planters battle-hungry. Let's pray to him. Father, thank you and praise you and bless you that we can come before you the almighty the maker of heaven and earth the all-glorious one and call you father all because of your gospel Uh, would you help us to be happy glad servants of your gospel father we particularly pray in this world of groaning, in this world of affliction, in this world of persecution. Help us to set our gaze on you, your son and his resurrection and his wonderful return when we will be resurrected. Father, would you help us to walk by faith? Forgive us for those times where sight has been too easy. And Father, we pray this. Because we do want grace to extend to more and more so that there is more and more praising of you and your glory. And so we pray this for your glory and our joy in the name of Jesus. Amen.